You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode is brought to you by Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class is an online video platform geared towards making you a better hunter. Watch instructional videos taught by hunting experts like Remy Warren, Randy Newberg, and Corey Jacobson. After the hunt, learn how to prepare your harvest from world-class wild game chefs like Hank Shaw and Jamie Tagan. Whether it's your first year hunting or you grew up doing it, Outdoor Class will take your skills up a notch. Use code EMPIRE20 at checkout to save 20% off. Visit OutdoorClass.com to learn more. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State, and I am your host, Josh Raley. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I'm fired up. It is, uh, it's Monday evening when I'm recording this intro, and I'll be getting out this weekend for my first hunt of the year in Wisconsin. Uh, I'll be on a little bit of a mission Getting some cell cameras moved around, uh, getting those in some traditional rut spots, doing a little bit of scouting, uh, doing a little bit of hunting in the mornings and the evenings, possibly on a doe mission. Uh, I don't want to spoil it. May have something in the works there, but uh, hopefully I'll have something awesome to catch you guys up on on next week's episode. But for this week, we've got a really great episode for you. I was able to catch up with my good friend, Ryan Deneu. I met Ryan back in 2020. And right away, we knew we were like-minded folks who both love the outdoors and who, uh, you know, for us, the outdoors is more than just a hobby. It's a connection with something bigger than us. And I really appreciate Ryan's perspective. And you'll notice from this podcast, he is a fantastic storyteller. Ryan's an avid outdoorsman who's been hunting since he was a kid. And while Ryan's primary targets are deer and pheasants, Uh, Bear hunting has held a special place in his heart since he first had the opportunity to experience it several years ago. Ryan accompanied his father recently uh, on what will likely be his father's only Wisconsin bear hunt due to the amount of time it takes to acquire a coveted Zone A tag. Ryan's dad didn't want it easy, and uh, from the sounds of this hunt, he got exactly what he was looking for. He hunted for several days only to find out that Uh, He and his hunting party had likely been chasing an infamous bear named Nike. Nike had a reputation for refusing to tree, for standing his ground, for hurting dogs. Uh, And while Nike never did tree on this hunt, Ryan's father was finally able to get a clean shot on him and uh, with the help of these hounds. And this hunt is certainly one that he and Ryan will never forget. Makes for an awesome story. You're not going to want to miss it. As we get going here, I've got a couple of favors to ask of you. Number one, if you could, 
please go and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you get this podcast. If you can leave us five stars, we'd really appreciate that. Leave us a written review if you can. It really helps others find this show. And also, if you can give us a follow on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman, share this episode on there as well. I would greatly appreciate that. I want to keep cranking out great episodes for you all and uh, do really cool stuff like I'm going to be doing here in a couple of weeks where I'll be hunting for 15 days straight during the rut in Wisconsin and, uh, you know, attempting to self-film that whole thing. And, you know, I couldn't do that kind of cool stuff right now without your continued support. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in each and every week. And I'd really appreciate it if you could give us a follow and also leave us a review. Also, big thanks to our partners who have gotten behind this show and uh, sort of fuel everything that I am doing. Really proud to be partnering with some great, trustworthy brands. First of all, Tacticam, they're the title sponsor of this show. I love my Tacticam point of view cameras. I'm going to be using multiple this fall. If you've ever tried to self-film your hunts, it can be really, really tough. But Tacticam really simplifies things. Uh, I'll have one attached to my bow on the stabilizer mount. I'm going to have one in the tree. Uh, that'll be the 5.0 wide. Uh, that'll be kind of be capturing a wide angle view. And then one looking back at me. That way I know even if I'm not able to get my big camera that's on the arm turned for the shot, I know I'm going to capture it with the camera on my bow stabilizer and uh, probably with the wide angle shot as well. If you're looking to film your hunts and share and preserve your memories this fall, head over to Tacticam.com to learn more. There you'll find info on their new 6.0 camera as well as their Solo Extreme camera. Both fantastic cameras. A new 6.0, y'all. Uh, you got to try it out. It's pretty sweet. Next up, Huntworth. Uh, Tim's are starting to cool off finally. And uh, many of you are likely making plans for November. If you're in the market for some new cold weather gear, check out Huntworth's new Heat Boost line. You can read up on it at their website, huntworthgear.com. Also, one of the things I love about Huntworth is they're available at lots of different retailers, so you can actually go put your hands on it before you buy it. And one thing I really don't want you guys to overlook is the Huntworth packs. Uh, I'm going to be using the Hickory for most of the year. I've also got the Lodi pack. Uh, the Hickory pack can hold more than I could ever need it to hold, but with the suspension system, it just carries so well into the woods. I'm probably going to be running three full-length Lone Wolf sticks this year. Uh, so I want a pack that's a little bit beefier, has a little more substance to it. I will be one-sticking some. I know I one-sticked all year last year, and, you know, it got easier, but it never was, like, easy and comfortable for me. So when I am one-sticking, though, I'll likely switch back over to the Lodi pack. Also, probably using that Lodi pack on hunts where I'm not bringing in the full camera gear, you know, my extra camera and the camera arm and all that stuff. If I'm just bringing in the Tacticams, that Lodi pack's probably going to get the nod. Although, it would all fit into the Lodi pack if I wanted it to. You can go check all that out at huntworthgear.com. Finally, Deer Lab, it's the number one app for hunters and land managers. It helps you store, organize, and analyze all of your photos right there in one place. It's packed with features like the ability to filter your photos, create heat maps using aggregate data, create profiles for specific bucks so you can track bucks around your property. You can get a free trial at their website, DeerLab.com. Then once you're ready to buy, use the code Wisconsin for 20% off of any of their plans. Now let's get to the show and hear the story of this once-in-a-lifetime bear hunt with Ryan Danu. 
Joining me for this week's episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is my good buddy, Ryan Deneu. Ryan, what's up, man? Hey, Josh. How are you? Good, man. Glad uh, that you could finally come on the show. We've talked several times about getting you on here at some point, and uh, we've kicked around a bunch of different topics. One of the topics was, you know, getting kids outdoors, because I know that's a huge passion of yours, getting your kids outside and enjoying natural resources and creation and all that good stuff. Um, But recently, you got to be part of a pretty epic bear hunt uh, with your dad, right? I did. 12 years in the making. Yeah. So, and I mean, one of those coveted bear tags in Wisconsin. And so I, you know, when that, when I saw the picture uh, that you text to me, I was like, all right, man, we got it. We got to do a show on, on this one. So, but as we kick things off, why don't you kind of tell us a bit about uh, who you are, what you do, like your history in the outdoors, how you got into uh, loving to hunt and fish and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been hunting and fishing since I was probably 12 or 13 years old. My dad got me into it, um, just deer hunting mainly, uh, like the nine day gun deer season. But as soon as I could drive, I kind of took it to the next level, I guess. Um, if, uh, if I can hunt it and, uh, I have the the time, the place I do it, I guess, but bear hunting became a passion of mine when I got my first tag in my mid twenties and always wanted to get my dad out bear hunting. Um, Specifically with hounds, I, I've done them both. Uh, when I when I take my bear in my twenties, I uh, sat on bait and chase with hounds. But um, there's something special about hound hunting that I want to get him to get him out there and do that. And you know, we live on a budget kind of, so it's not like we can fly anywhere, or travel, do any major destination hunts. But this was one that I knew would feel like one and be um, affordable, and when we could get three generations doing it. So I got my dad and my my oldest child, my 13 year old daughter, um, to go on, on the hunt with us and had some great friends that helped, helped us some hound guys. Man, that's awesome. So your dad started applying, like how many, how many points did he have? I mean, there may be folks listening to this that don't, uh, that maybe aren't quite familiar with like how hard it can be to get one of those, uh, tags for a specific zone. Uh, so tell me about the unit that you guys were hunting and how long your dad had been applying. Yeah. Sure. We, uh, we knew a group of guys that, um, could get us out on bears in zone a, I think there's like six zones now in Wisconsin. Um, zone a is one of the ones way up North. Um, that's where, uh, we just had a group of guys with land. So we, we chose that one, but, um, we knew that it would be between nine and 12 years for him to get a tag. So once he started, um, once he accumulated nine years in one point per year, nine years of putting in, we started checking the box for, uh, drawing a tag. Um, they give you about eight to nine months. Um, once you draw a tag to kind of make preparations to, um, to lock on your hunt. So we drew a tag in February. Um, he had 12 years. We knew we were pretty certain he'd get one then that way. Um, uh, because it sounds like right now, uh, nine years can draw you a tag in a lot of the zones, but 12 for sure. So, uh, we drew the tag and started talking to these hound guys in Phillips, Wisconsin, um, that we know. Dude, that, that's incredible. Like, like when I think of preference points and all of that good stuff and applying for points, like I think about heading out West for elk, or I think about, you know, Iowa for deer. I don't think about anything here locally. Um, and so just the idea that there's something, you know, 
that, um, I guess, difficult of a tag to acquire here in Wisconsin is, uh, you know, a bit um, different, I guess. But I've been applying for the Bear Points uh, for, I guess, I'm, I've got three points right now. And I, I think, like you said, I think there are some zones where you can get a Bear tag for with, with very few points, basically. But those are the really low-quality units. Have you... Uh, hunted or talked with anybody that's hunted some of the other like lesser quality units, you know, units with smaller bears or fewer bears. Yes. Um, I've uh, met some guys that have, uh, gals that have drawn tags and I think it's, they, they divided the zones up differently recently. Um, but zone C was always kind of south of highway 10 or something similar to that. And you could draw a tag almost yearly. If you did that, that was basically cut the state in half and everything south. But um, like you said, the quality and the numbers, that type of stuff. Um, I drew a tag there. I got kind of excited after I harvested my first bear, and I didn't want to wait very long. So I think I started accumulating a you know a handful of points, and I drew a tag in zone C, and I just I, I couldn't even get on a bear. So really, um, I didn't know the right people. Maybe um, if you know somebody, or if even if you you got your own land you could get out baiting and um, get them hitting it or something but yeah you can draw a tag almost yearly in that that southernmost zone i believe yeah man well i i think i'm going to keep holding on to mine and i want to try to to make the best of it when i when i finally do get the uh get on a bear so uh tell me a little bit about what you know other stuff that you do man like you're you're one of those guys that um you know, when I talk to a bunch of different brands and companies when it comes to this podcast, and, you know, one of the things they always want to know is, like, what makes your podcast and your podcast audience unique? Like, what makes it different than the, the, the audiences from other podcasts? And one of the things that seems to distinguish people who listen to this show uh, from those who may listen to other outdoors and hunting podcasts is, man, folks in the state of Wisconsin just do a little bit of everything. Like I know very few people who say I'm a whitetail guy and that's all I do. And then you and I met, gosh, what, two years ago now? Something like yeah. that. And you're one of those guys, man. You do a little bit of everything. So you you like to bear hunt, obviously. You deer hunt. We've deer hunted some of the same places. Uh, and you also are a big pheasant hunter. So tell me about kind of your, you know, what all it is that you that you do outside. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess I have three kids and they're all getting to that age where they, um, they need me even more. Um, but they, they kind of like doing the outdoor stuff. So I've kind of transitioned into doing things outdoors with them. But, um, I grew up, um, outside of bow hunting and then, uh, you know, doing the gun deer thing, lots of pheasant hunting. That was kind of, I can remember being 13, 14 years old and my dad taking me pheasant hunting on public land, you know, if we've got three or four birds a year at that age, I thought it was just like the greatest thing in the world. Um, so some of my best memories growing up were pheasant hunting in the field, walking with the dog and watching the dog work. So uh, yeah, that's kind of what I've transitioned to recently just because of work schedules. I'm able to get out for walks in the morning and chase roosters on public land. And then while doing that, you can kind of scout too. you know, look for spots that you want to bow hunt. Or um, I look for you know, good fishing spots if there's any any creeks or lakes that go through it. But um, really like duck hunting. Duck hunting's a big passion of mine. But um, just a lot of work goes into that. And um, with my work schedule, it's like I get an hour or two a day, so I kind of 
just chose to do quick, fast hunts. And, um, but yeah, um, love, um, I, I love my pheasants, but I have something special about a rooster. Upland, anything upland, really. Um, I just don't get on grouse much or, or bob white or anything, but um, I love chasing public land roosters. Yeah, man, you you have a lot of success doing that too. So tell me a little bit about your dog and maybe go into just, a, I mean, we haven't, I haven't really talked about pheasant hunting much on this show. So tell me a little bit about like what you're doing because you're hunting lands that are, that are public, but they're not just public. They're like well-known public areas for like pheasant and that kind of stuff. We won't name any of them, uh, but they're high pressure, like really, really high pressure. Um, but you come out with a rooster it seems like more often than not so uh tell me a bit about what you're doing and how you're uh making sure you're getting on these birds on you know public land that can be really tough if it hasn't been stocked recently yeah is that true that's that's the main thing making sure they're stocked i guess regularly but they do get shot up so quick and um i uh, got a, a young dog right now he seems to be he's almost two he seems to be um he did pretty good last year but um, getting a good dog and I'm not the best at training them. I don't know a lot of its instinct. He's a pointer. Um, that's when I started to get more birds when I switched from a retriever to a pointer just to make more, um, uh, just better shots. Uh, and, and then it was just more fun too to watch the dog lock up and those types of things. But I got a pointer and um, I just go out during the week a lot. I know a lot of guys, they get um, probably frustrated with weekday people, but I only get out for about an hour during the mornings during the fall. And then on the weekend, um, you can kind of hunt, you know, as long as I can, as long as I want, but um, I just hit certain spots, kind of just looking at it, you know, a little, a little strategy, but just a little intuition too. kind of where would the birds go? You know, they're stocked birds more than likely. And where are they going to look for, um, for shelter and food and just and hit those, those ditches, those tree lines, and um, it works really well. Instead of just walking a field, like I kind of grew up doing, that's the way my dad taught me, just jump in a field and start walking back and forth, which works. Yeah, I get birds that way, but hitting those hitting those ditch lines or um, wedges, those types of things. And then a lot of guys don't like cutting close to the road because they're dog um, and safety reasons, but um, they, cutting close to roads, um, finding those country country roads, on public land and then just walking a hundred, 150 yards off the road and picking them up. Cause they're sitting out there eating gravel and then running back into the, into the weeds, you know, yep. just making sure everything. I, I was shocked too. I like, I like the spot. I like the public land. I think it's a challenge. Um, you know, it's fun going to a game farm too, but that gets heavy on the wallet. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. If you're going to hunt birds in Wisconsin, if you're going to hunt pheasants in Wisconsin, the most of them are going to be planted birds anyway. It is nice when you get a big native, you know, the way they act and, and obviously the tail feathers, different things about them. But I haven't, I haven't had a whole lot of luck on native birds. That's kind of something I'd like to get in. I got some spots that I've heard about. I'm going to try that this fall. Try to get some native, native populations of roosters. Nice. Nice. Yeah, man. And, that, that close to the road piece is, uh, I don't know how many times you and I now, <clears throat> you and I get along because we're similar in a lot of ways. One of them is we try to get out, especially in the mornings, like as often as possible. And I don't know how many times uh, last fall, especially we were trading pictures of pheasants right along the road, like super, super often. And it's funny because, you know, that piece that, that we both kind of frequent is um, it gets a ton of pressure and I bow hunted a lot personally, 
And I don't think I, you know, once pheasant season is in, I don't have a morning where I have the place to myself. Uh, not necessarily from bow hunting pressure, but people. Like there are people out there every single day running their dogs, which is great. I'm glad people are using the resource. But those pheasants figure that out real quick. And you'll see them out by the roads and, you know, by the by the tens some mornings. I mean, you'll see, you know, five, six, eight, ten pheasants, 20 pheasants <clears throat> out hugging close to the road. But another way that I think uh, you and I kind of resonate is like that intuition piece. And I think that's something that you do really well. Like how, do, how have you shaped that? intuition not only for pheasants but for deer and other stuff over the years or has that just come from experience or like where did that come from that's a good question um age a little bit but you know when i go back i can remember being a kid too and wanting to experiment or do something different than somebody older in my life might have told me but you know i thought they would point things out well they don't do that don't you watch shows or don't you listen they don't do those things they don't do those things so then, you know, I lacked the confidence when I was younger because you hear that from older people that you might look up to, um, mentors in your life. And then you get to an age, you just don't care anymore. You know, and as long as you're being safe and ethical, it was like, you know, I'm going to try that this time. What's the big deal? I failed the last three times doing it their way. And then you have a little of success doing it, just, just following your intuition. And then it's something bigger, you know, bigger picture drops in your head. Like, Oh, you know, it's that hunter, that primitive hunter-gatherer instincts you realize trying to get in the mindset of the animal that you're hunting what would I do you know all they have to do is eat and survive and then when you start thinking that way things kind of the woods look different almost you know yeah you um differently yeah man that that putting away what we've learned I, I think probably one of the best things guys who are getting into hunting or guys who maybe aren't having the success that they want to have um on public land one of the best things that they can do, most likely, I think, is stop watching hunting shows and start going out yeah. more often. Just get in the woods more often. Even if, like you're saying, you got an hour or two in the morning. If you've got an hour or two in the morning or an hour or two after work, like just go out there. Quit, quit watching hunting shows. Quit worrying about what the experts are telling you. Just go out there, have your own experiences, and learn because it shapes that intuition over time. Like you said, it's that... One, it was uh, uh, you didn't have the fear of failure, so you just went out there and tried stuff, right? And yep. and then two, it was it was just years of experience, kind of learning and building on uh, what you know, what you do, and then and finding success when you try, you know, try out new things. But so let's pivot now and talk about specifically this bear hunt. So you guys found out back in, did you say February, that you'd be hunting? Yeah, February. That's okay. when they draw the tags and get the little postcard. You drew a tag. Pretty exciting. Yeah, man, that's good stuff. So I, I imagine it was like immediately like, okay, it's it's go time. So, and bears, bear is not something you get to hunt very often. Uh, so what did that preparation process look for you guys? Like, uh, had you already kind of done the groundwork or was it like, okay, we really got to get moving on figuring out where we're going to go, who we're going with and how this hunt's going to look? Sure. Um, I was lucky enough to meet some people. I, I was living up in the Fox Valley or for or Fox Valley area for uh, 14, 15 years and uh, met a couple of different groups of guys uh, with hounds and then some guys that just lived up there that baited for me in the past. So I had that. That was the biggest thing. If you, unless you go through it, you know, somebody that's going to be an outfitter, um, they usually have room as soon as you draw your take, call them. But we just kind of did it with friends. So I had all that done. Um, 
and they, they were awesome. Um, but, um, the other parts we just, as a family, we knew that uh, my dad, it would be his probably only time he'd bear hunt. He's 66 years old and never has done it before. All he's ever, all he's ever hunted was a deer with his, with his rifle. Um, he's a 20 year, uh, infantry Marine. And then, uh, after 20 years of active duty service to his country, he was, uh, worked in construction. So he didn't, you know, get a whole lot of chances to, to do these things. So this group of guys, I told them a little bit about my dad and they were just, they were, they were heck bent on getting him a bear. They said, we're going to get him a bear, you know? So it's just kind of special. I get the chills even talking about it. But, um, so that was done. All we had to figure out was who was going to go and where we were going to sleep. And, um, he's retired now from his second career and, uh, he, um, has a fifth wheel and, uh, him and my mom, um, they've been married many years and they decided they were just going to make a long weekend out of it. So they, on the campground in Phillips. Um, I think they booked it like in July or August and they just, they just camped out and then we met the bear guys every day. So for us, it was really kind of land landed that way. And then it was just getting my daughter up there. I knew school, um, school was going to be going on and the bear season opened September 7th this year, I believe. Um, and, um, we went up the week after, but um, we were up there from a Tuesday to a Sunday. Uh, my dad was anyway. Um, started started hunting opening day, which falls on a Wednesday in Wisconsin, and he and he was uh, he was hitting the ground Wednesday morning right away with the bear guys. And then I went up Saturday, uh, Friday night. Friday night I went up and um, got to hunt with him over the weekend. But uh, the preparation wasn't too bad for us. But the big thing is just knowing somebody, or if you're going to do it yourself, having the land to do it. The bait, you got to get that bait out there. Yeah. And you, you've done it both ways, right? Like you've done the whole bait thing. You've done the whole hunting with hounds thing. Um, I grew I up, I, I grew up hunting, um, whitetails in the deep South. And one of the things that, um, folks in the Midwest kind of turn their nose up at just a little bit is hunting deer with hounds. And I grew up doing some of that. The terrain is very different in the deep South. Um, when we say woods are thick, uh, we mean something very different than the woods are than people in the Midwest who say the woods are thick. Like we're talking in like vast stretches of woods that are basically impenetrable. If you're a human, like you just can't walk through it. Um, so they would run hounds and, and we wouldn't have a ton of success. I mean, we, they'd run the, run the deer around and that kind of thing. But I think a lot of people maybe don't uh, quite understand the whole concept of hunting with hounds. And, and, you know, me personally, when I think about, uh, hunting bears in Wisconsin, like I dream up in my mind, this picture of hunting with bait and, you know, putting in the time in a stand and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but the more I've talked with folks who have hunted bears with hounds, the more I'm like, okay, that, that sounds like a really, uh, effective way of doing it and a really fun way of doing it. So tell me about your experience, uh, doing it both ways and kind of the differences in the, the memories that you make and the vibe of the hunt. Uh, when you're hunting, when you're hunting over bait, as opposed to when you're hunting with hounds. Sure. Um, I, I love sitting in a stand. Um, don't get me wrong. You know, but, um, I had a lot of time into, um, sitting in the stand with my bear tag that I drew, um, almost uh, 14 years ago now, I believe. But, um, I had a, a good friend also that, um, was baiting. I mean, you gotta be baiting daily type of thing. Once that baiting season rolls around and, and getting them coming in, getting them conditioned, um, you're really not going to see a, uh, a bear, um, without, without, um, bait in my experience anyway, and from what I've, you know, heard from others, 
Um, so that was a big deal to me is finding somebody who I could trust that was going to be, and they did, they did awesome. They had a camera, they were sending me pictures. Um, and then when the season came along, I, I went up there, took a week's vacation off because you know, that's the way a lot of us live our lives, you know, time's kind of money and you got family, you got bills to pay. And, um, so I dedicated five days to bear hunting and I sat from sunrise to sunset and didn't see a bear. They came in at night, you know, my bait was hit every night, but they, they were smart, you know, they were in the cornfields, whatever else. Um, so I didn't see one. I was pretty defeated and, um, just started talking. That's a big thing. Just talk to people. Everybody knows somebody type of thing. And they got me in, in, um, connection with some hound guys, um, back then. And day one, I got a bear, um, kind of a untraditional way. I, I got it on bait, but a little bit, but with hounds, his long story that was years ago, but, um, I was just hooked instantly running dogs all day and seeing more, you know, you could tell that the dog, the bear, excuse me, the dogs were on bear and it just felt better. You knew it was happening. But, um, so I just knew that if I was going to have any of my family members, especially my kids or my dad, I was, and they didn't care, you know, whether they were going to stand sit or they were going to, um, run with hounds that it was going to be the hounds. Yeah. We were going to do the hounds. Thing. So we just went right to it this time, um, right, right to that, right to the bear guys that I knew with the, with the, with the hounds. Yeah. So, tell talk to me a bit about the 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 hounds that these guys were running. I mean, these were some tough dogs, man. Like they, it was it was it was a tough hunt, and we'll get to the bear that that your dad finally uh, ended up taking. But tell me about the dogs that they're running. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure on breeds necessarily to me, you know, they look like, you know, your traditional hound dog, um, a lot of beagles, some beagles. Um, I feel kind of silly that I don't know what their breeds are, but to me, they look like hounds and beagles and, you know, they're anywhere from 40 pounds up to maybe somewhere closer to hundred pounds. Um, just awesome dogs, friendly. That's what always amazed me when I, the times I've been is they're friendly dogs to us. You know what I mean? They just, and these guys and gals are letting the dogs lick their faces and they're petting them and they're firing them all up. And then they send them loose though. And they, you know, their animal instinct kicks in and they're tracking machines. And I found that I, I just, it blew my mind. Not what you think type of thing. You know, cause I, I kind of always wasn't too sure about hound hunting. Uh, like you said, of you people in the South, Josh, now I'm kidding. But, um, man, when I, 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 when I stand, when I sat in a stand for a bear, there was a lot of trimming involved. And then I kind of looked around and I thought, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get a shot with my bow. And that was my plan years ago to shoot a bear with a bow, but it is thick. It, there's no, um, I mean, you got your lane and that's it. So it made sense to me why, you know, why we traditionally, tr- the tradition is this hound hunting. I mean, it, it, it's just much, um, the success rate, you know, I, I see why they do it. And then the relationship they have with their dogs is amazing. They really care for them. They've got the, the tracking systems, you know, and they make sure that they've got their dogs, um, their collars have their names, you know, all kinds of different things. Cause these dogs, um, can be anywhere from a couple hundred to a couple miles away from them at times chasing these bear. And, um, yeah, um, that's, 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 I guess the, the hounds, um, I am very good. So tell me a bit about kind of your dad's hunt. Um, the first couple of days. So you weren't there, but he was going with these guys that you guys had sort of connected with hooked up with. Uh, how did his hunt go for the first couple of days? Yeah, it went rough. It sounds like I was in uh, communication kind of with him back and forth. Um, text message, whatnot. But, um, the way Wisconsin does it for people that, um, 
want to just strictly stand fit, they uh, alternate years. And this year, um, opening day and the first seven days of bear hunting went to the stand fitters. So there's no hound, there's no hounds allowed in the woods. Those first seven days give those guys and gals a first crack at getting a bear. And um, so we waited until the second week of bear season. And we just um, know that anytime you do something like that, that opening day is a big deal. So he made sure he um, booked a campground for the night before and he started hunting right away Wednesday morning and Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, they chased bears. It kind of sounded like all day. Um, they kind of shut it down in the evening around three, four o'clock with the bears settled down, let them hit baits. And, um, he didn't, um, he didn't put his eyes on a bear those first three days. Um, when I went up there, his big joke, he's got the greatest sense of humor. I mean, he's just humble down to earth. Um, wonderful man, you know, my hero, um, good man, but, uh, he just, it didn't crush his spirit. You know, he's like, well, you guys are up here. We'll go again tomorrow. But he just kept laughing. He goes, I don't know if I'm ever going to see a bear. We've been running. These guys assure me that they're going to get me a bear. And I, I, I know them and I know other hound hunters. And I said, if they said they're going to get you a bear, you just got to show up dad, and put the miles on your feet. You'll get one. And he's in great shape. So, so he said that, yeah, I'll, I'll keep going. But the first three days, just lots of running, which maybe made sense once he got his bear, why they were running so much. But, um, Ideally, that bear. Ideally, that bear is supposed to tree and tree fairly quick with those hounds. Um, but they couldn't. They couldn't get anything in a tree for three days. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. Their gear is made for outdoorsmen by outdoorsmen. Archery openers are just around the corner, and Tacticam has just released several new products to help you share your hunt and take your scouting to the next level. Topping the list is their 6.0 point-of-view camera providing 4K footage and a user-friendly waterproof package. They've also just released the new Solo Extreme, giving you HD footage, 3 to 8x zoom, and one-touch operation. And Tacticam's lineup of point-of-view cameras is supported by the best mounts and adapters on the market. This fall, I'll be using their Bose stabilizer mount, as well as their bendy clamp mount to make sure my cameras don't miss any of the action. And last but not least, Tacticam just launched the Reveal X Pro. With no visible flash, built-in LCD screen, and built-in GPS tracking, the Reveal X Pro will help you take your scouting to the next level. You can learn more about these and Tacticam's entire line of products at Tacticam.com or RevealCellCam.com. This episode is also brought to you by DeerLab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. DeerLab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data. DeerLab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them, deer, turkeys, people, whatever. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target. And you can even mass edit your timestamps, which is a great feature if you're like me and you occasionally forget to set the correct time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com to check them out. You can get a free trial on there for 30 days. And then when you're ready to buy, use the code Wisconsin at checkout for 20% off of any plan. Now let's get back to the show. Let's talk then about the specific bear and um, maybe some of the interactions that bear had with a couple of the dogs and why it made sense finally that uh, once he got the bear, you know, why they hadn't been able to tree it over the last couple of days. Yeah. Um, these guys um, had been training. There's a training season for the hounds, and they, I think, and I could be wrong on numbers, but I think they sit in there little bit of training they did this summer. They had nine bears trees treed. The dogs were all tuned in, working great together. And um, so they kind of thought they were going to get 
get some bears treat right away, like maybe they'd be able to even look for a specific bear, you know, a specific size for whatever, those types of things. And um, they got on them the first three days and, and they couldn't treat anything. And I, they were talking to me too while I was down here waiting to go up itching. And um, uh, they, uh, on Saturday then when we started um, started the morning out, um, it, w- it was pretty slow. And it was my daughter's first time ever experiencing anything in the Northwoods, hunting anything and, and then bear. You know, she's 13. So she was, and just, it, I was, I was in awe looking at her. She was in this magic world. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, they, um, were a little upset because, uh, the cameras weren't working right. Um, something to do with servers and whatever. And they were joking about, um, going back to old school methods. Maybe they should, you know, carry on some of those traditions, but they, they couldn't get on a bear. And then there was, um, just kind of an open air sniff type of thing situation where the dogs smelt them when they were driving down some of these roads and they, they sent the dogs loose and it was a long track and it was pretty quick they started complaining about why these bears aren't treeing. And um, then one of the guys said, maybe it's Nike. And, um, you know, I'm just the kind of guy when you're with uh, other people and it's their, their expertise, you just listen. And I was just listening, not asking a whole lot of questions, but quickly put it together that maybe this bear was a little famous or infamous, if you will. Um, Cause they said it with a little disgust in their language when they said Nike. So I finally asked, what is this Nike? And they said that um, there's a bear that, um, has just learned not to treat that it, it kind of stands at ground and it just runs and they call it Nike because it runs and it doesn't stop running like Nike shoes, I suppose. I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, they were a little, uh, uh, hesitant. They, you just hear the, the emotion in their words. I don't want to call it anger necessarily, but it's a little bit of anger, but also challenge, you know what I mean? But then, um, almost like, do we want the challenge? And, um, so I started asking more questions about, and kind of, you know, just laughing with them. What is, what's this Nike? Why you guys, what's the big deal? And they said that it, it, it hurt some dogs. Um, uh, and they, they know it's Nike because of a scar on his face. Um, and, um, just the way he acts too, and that he's a good bear. Um, they didn't know exactly how big, but a good bear and, um, that he's just mean and, um, and runs and, and won't tree. And then they started um, saying, maybe that's why this week too, cause we've been hunting this area. Maybe we've been on him a few times. And um, so the, the dogs did their job though. They, um, they let the dogs loose sometime around um, eight o'clock in the morning after sitting around for two hours, checking cameras and all these guys get together, all these guys and gals and they share tips. And does anybody have a bear on their camera or fresh tracks? And no one did. So we were just sitting around on a country road the gravel road and then just started driving and um, dogs started howling out of the back and they thought, well, what else do we got to lose? And so they kind of did a little look and they, they got to, they want to make sure and eliminate other things like deer, you know, wolves or anything like that. And they were pretty certain that this was a bear. So they let the dogs loose and they chased this bear. I don't know the exact amount of miles. I heard, um, different, um, they would know, but, um, it, it was somewhere around between five and 10 miles. I don't know, but it was a lot. Wow. I heard, heard somebody say seven. I heard somebody else say 14, but to me, it seemed like probably between five and 10 miles, these dogs chased this bear. And um, then you're dealing with, you know, uh, roads and everything else. When you're talking that, that much running and um, about an hour into, into the, the, the hounds chasing the bear, that's when they started looking at getting into the woods to see if we could, um, get uh, somebody to get a shot and there's a couple of different people with tags there and they asked my dad uh, first if he wanted to go in and he did 
Um, I stayed outside of the woods with my daughter. I wanted to go in with them, but they just said that this bear was running fast and it was going to be tough to keep up with multiple people. So for about an hour, we just watched on the GPS, which was kind of cool using technology, you know, and then, uh, just feet on the ground chasing a bear. And, um, as the time went on, you could just see on the GPS that they were going to intercept this bear. And then um, I had time to talk to some of the bear hound guys that weren't in the woods, just monitoring their dogs. And uh, that's when I started asking about this Nike because they started getting a little nervous saying, your dad's got to get in there. Is he going to be all right? You know, he's 66. And they knew him at that point though. They had been hanging out with him three days and then they would always correct themselves like, Oh, he'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And they kept laughing. He kept saying, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And he was, but um, they said, we're a little nervous because this dog, this bear killed a dog um, earlier in the training season. You know, and then my daughter heard that and I was worried she was going to think less about the hunt and the experience, but she didn't, she kind of understood it, that this is their tradition. This is their passion. And then she got to see the dogs, you know, and yep. see that they really live, they really live for this. Like they would um, be lost without it. And then it just got, you know, it turned different realizing, Oh, I mean, you know, bears are dangerous, but you just go up there thinking that the bear's going to tree. And then when they said that this bear is not going to tree, that's clear at this point. And then you could see that the dogs were next to the bear on the GPS. Now they were no longer trailing it, but they were walking with it, running with it. And then we heard on the radio that one of the dogs was hurt. You don't know how bad, but that she was still moving. And it just, it, it was emotional, an emotional roller coaster. And then, um, you could see on the GPS that, Oh shoot, they're right on the bear now. And they were so far back in the woods. We couldn't even hear the shot. Um, my dad, uh, wanted to take his bear with a, uh, Henry golden boy, 44 Magnum. That's what he wanted to do. So maybe that's part of the reason we couldn't hear it. But then on the, uh, we could hear soon after that, that the bear was down and, um, it was just a flood of emotion, you know, but then real quickly, um, it went from bears down to we've got hurt dogs. And, um, it sounds like when my dad, um, when my dad finally got eyes on the bear, he was just waiting on what was kind of like a, an old logging road, maybe overgrown. The bear was so exhausted and so tired, it jumped out of the woods and was taking the, the path of least resistance, if you will, at that point. Um, and uh, he had a quick opportunity to take a shot. The dogs were out of the way, so he took a shot and the bear rolled. Um, and this is me telling his story. He'd probably tell a lot better, but I think his brain's still processing what happened because it was, like a 20 or, uh, 20 or 30 foot shot. I mean, it was real close, really close. And um, he shot it right in the chest and the bear rolled and the dogs were on it instantly. Uh, ideally this bear, you know, in this situation, the bear trees, and then you hook your dogs up to the chains and you harvest the bear. The bear um, expires and the dogs are safe. But um, these hounds are on this bear and there's no way of calling the hounds off the bear at that point because the bear is exhausted. It can't outrun the dogs anymore. So they're just gonna keep chasing this bear. And, uh, after he shot, uh, the bear, um, it swiped at two of the dogs and actually we think actually had one of the dogs in his mouth looking at some of the minor injuries that the dogs had. Um, but, um, yeah, he, he put a great shot on it point. I mean, real close, you know, and, um, just seeing when I, when I walked into the woods and saw his face, I could tell it was real. Like it was a, it's something he never experienced. And it wasn't until two days later that he could kind of start explaining what happened because he was so excited, I think, you know, and then just uh, the emotions. But um, first thing they do, you know, you run the dogs out, get them to safety. And they had like all this, this little vet, this little vet kit where they, they put a lot of antibiotic ointment on the scratches. They do everybody, two or three people are feeling the dogs over to make sure everything 
feels good. And these dogs had no idea they were even scratched though. They kept trying to run back in the woods to go look at the bear. Um, they probably were upset. Why, why are you, we want our rewards, you know, cause that's kind of their reward. The hunt, the hunters, you know, let the dogs really get a good sniff of the bear after the bears harvested. And a couple of the dogs didn't get to do that right away. Cause they had to go get checked out. And, um, they did that. And, um, one of the dogs did have to go to the vet right away. They rushed it to the vet. Um, it's like a family affair, up there, a family affair up there. Some of the guys had their wives up there that were really helping out a lot. Some of the wives were hunting. It's just awesome. Um, but anyway, they took one of the dogs to the vet and had a few stitches, I think. And, um, the dog came right back and got to see the bear. But, um, yeah, it, it was wild. Um, surreal and then um just watching and then seeing my dad and my daughter get to see that uh interaction between the hunter the hound and then the beast if you will the animal everything in general and everybody started making their way in the woods and because there's between six and ten people there and um they're walking up on the dog and then watching them all just kind of shake a little bit and these guys are seasoned they weren't scared they were excited it was nike and then you can i got some video that i took um of my daughter's reaction when she met papa in the woods with the dead bear and everybody kept saying it and they were all laughing and celebrating and then that's when we all kind of started asking more questions about nike and that's when one of the guys says he killed my dog earlier in the year so one of the guys we were hunting with had a dog when they were training that was um killed by this bear um and they know that from looking at the game cameras you know you can see the scars on the face or whatever and then I'm not treeing. And that's when they all started putting it together. This is where we've been hunting all week. Maybe we've been chasing Nike or another bear like Nike. I guess it is rare, but some of these bears learn don't tree run, run fight, which I think is amazing though, from an animalistic type of point of view, like that's pretty cool. That's, that's the bear I want. Um, so that's when my dad really excited. He said, Oh wow. So I got a good bear. You know, that's what he kept worried about. He didn't want to upset. I don't think any of these hound guys shoot a small bear, shoot a bear. They didn't want, and they said, no, you got a great bear. This is, this is great. You know, it's not a 600 pound bear, but this is the best bear that you could get. And, um, uh, that's, that's the point when you could just see him really perk up, you know what I mean? Like, okay. Cause he was beat, he was wore out and they kept saying, this is not how it goes. Usually it goes a lot smoother than that. And you get him out of the tree. Um, this was the total experience and it was the big joke all week, I guess, amongst the hound guys and my dad, my dad being an infantry Marine, he kept saying, um, don't give me the easy one guys. So the only time I'll be able to do it in my life, don't give me the easy one. Well, my joke with him then was, dude, you manifested that you didn't want the easy one, but you wanted the bear. So you got that one. And he's laughing. <laughs> I said, maybe that'll be next time when you just want to get the job done, maybe ask for just, just the easy one once in a while. And he said, never, uh, I really appreciate that about him. That's just his personality. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it was wild. And then seeing the bear and then watching people's reaction, like my dad and my daughter who hadn't seen a bear, um, ever in nature alive or dead. And, um, just the hesitancy around this game that you're chasing, you know, a lot of time we take it for granted when you go out whitetail hunting, um, very rare that you hear somebody getting hurt, but it was just, um, a sense of, uh, connection with nature. It was almost spiritual in a way though. You know what I mean? You walk up on this bear and you're like, Oh my gosh, look at his paws. You can see his teeth. Is it dead? You know, it was, a, it's just, uh, an amazing experience. Anybody who's into the outdoors, um, you want that ultimate rush, cleanse that soul type of feeling. Chasing bears does it. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, man. I, one of the things that, um, you know, as I dream of one day drawing that bear tag for Wisconsin, um, one of the things that 
has not worried me, but I don't want it to happen too quick, right? Like I've I've talked to guys who have gone on bear hunts before and they're like, yeah, we got out there the first morning. They let the dogs out. It treated a bear. I went in and shot the bear and we were done by early afternoon. And, and that was it. That was my bear hunt. And I'm like, that's not what I'm waiting 10 or 12 years to go and do. Like, I, I don't want that experience. It sounds like the experience that your dad got is exactly what I would want. A couple of days of really hard hunting, that super intense moment of, you know, getting a bear in really, really close. Um, maybe I don't want a bear that's quite so aggressive, but you know, other, other than that, it sounds, sounds like he had a, a, a wonderful experience. And like you said, they were, they had been tracking this specific bear or had, had seen this bear on game camera and different things and sort of, so, sort of started putting the pieces together. Like, Oh, this is Nike. Who's kind of infamous for, for harming a couple of our dogs and for uh, being one that doesn't, uh, doesn't treat. Was there a moment in there that, I guess fear crept in because man, that's, you know, when you realize you're on a bear, that's not going to tree and you're way back in some thick brush. Like, do you think your dad was rattled for a bit from that? Or do you think that the, just the sheer joy of the whole experience kind of took over? Great question. Cause that ran through my mind a lot. Um, especially when we could see where he's at on the GPS and then not physically be near him. He's a mile away from us in the woods and he's 66, great shape, but still they're animals, you know, that these bears are, especially this one. Um, yes, it did. Um, my mom was very strict to keep him safe and these hound guys and gals, I mean, they, they know what they're doing though. And I knew that if it, if it became a, mo- a matter of life and you know death for the hunter, or if they were ever scared that they would, they would figure something out. So I kept telling myself that, but I, yeah, I was worried even him being an infantry Marine for 20 years, a little bit, he probably won't like that when I hear that, when he hears me say that, but I was a little worried. Um, but he, you know, I was raised him always, I don't know. He's calm. He's grounded. And he was in the moment. He tells the story how, as soon as he, he had the bear in his sight, that was the first bear he's ever seen. And in that moment, um, maybe 50 feet away is when he could start to see it. And then when it was about 20 to 30 feet away in the thick brush, when it stepped out onto this old logging path or something, he said he had his open sight lever action, um, Henry, and he was just, he was going to take a headshot on the bear or chest shot and he had it on it right away. And he was just waiting for a clear shot with the dogs. He talks about it so calmly. And then, um, the bear guys too were telling them, don't shoot, don't shoot. And then let them know. So they had like, um, everything covered, all bases covered. So multiple eyes, you know, that there's no bears in the, or any dogs in the way we're going to shoot. Cause this bear is running right at them at that point. And, um, but, um, that was my fear. What happens if he misses, you know, or he freezes. I didn't think he'd freeze. I just thought maybe he misses, you know, you just never know you, your body moves or you crunch a tri- twig and you're shot, you're, you drop the gun a little bit. And then the bears run right at you and the bear might not even mean to hurt you necessarily, but it just runs right over you or it takes a swipe at you, you know? So I was worried about that. I really was. Um, it's kind of funny kind of trying to be the, the calm one in the car with my daughter, uh, 13 year old daughter. She was so positive about the whole experience. And I kept reminding her of that, the danger of it and why we weren't going in on this specific run because she really wanted to, she's fearless. And I was explaining that to her and she kept saying, Papa will be fine. Papa will be fine. Papa was a Marine. He, she kept saying that he'll be fine. So I was like, I'm glad you're thinking that too. She was like calming me down and she didn't even know. It. But, uh, and you know, I told her when I talked to her, she said, and make sure you tell anybody 
um, our story, um, she was right on a little stinker on um, that morning. Everyone was so defeated and, um, she's an intuitive little, little thing. And, uh, she's special. All my cow kids are special, but, um, she kept saying, uh, we're going to get a bear this morning and the whole way up, uh, the night before we're going to get a bear tomorrow. And I go, why do you say that? She goes, I just feel it, dad. I can just feel it. Everything's lining up perfectly. This hunt. I can't believe I'm getting to go on it. And she said, we're going to tree a bear or we're going to, she kept saying, catch a bear or something like that at nine, 10 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I just kept trying to take those vibes and be like, yes, absolutely, Madison. Yes, we're going to do that. But, you know, a 13-year-old says that, you know, you're just like, you're living a magic land. But she made the magic land real because Papa shot his bear at 10.15 then. Um, and uh, they actually had it kind of trapped at 9. And she spoke up in her little voice in the back seat, and she just goes, told you. <laughs> and I just started laughing, like, yeah. It's kind of creeping people out a little bit that way, but they loved her. You know, they're like, that's amazing, you know, because we really, we really were defeated that morning and just watching how quick something can turn around. Even my dad said when they released the hounds, he goes, okay, yeah, well, I've been here before this week many a times. And I said, this feels different though. You can just tell it just feels different the way the the dogs are reacting and where this animal is in the woods. And uh, he said, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. And then uh, after the hunt was done, he, he just kind of looked at me. He's like, boy, you were kidding. Zero to a hundred all week, three days, run, run, run. Don't even see a bear. And then, you know, you let the hounds out and an hour and a half, two hours later, you got a 300 pound beast laying there in front of you. He just, it was surreal. He said, it's just, I can't, I need time to process. He kept saying, and he had a moment alone with the bear when we were taking the dogs out. And he just said it was something different that he's never experienced in all of his hunting career, sitting there alone with that big, beautiful animal in the woods. And Yeah. Pretty wild, pretty wild, Josh. Yeah, and so you, you've described the bear to me on the phone the other day. So it wasn't the biggest bear in the woods, but likely a little over 300 pounds or so, 315, 320, something like that. So good-sized bear. Um, but yeah. I, I think the it was kind of unique in that, man, the thing was just kind of grizzled up. Like it was, uh, you could tell it was a scrapper. Well, yeah, it was It was a fighter. Um, his nose um the very front of his nose where you kind of picture all bears got that, um, soft lush looking nose. His nose is like gone. Um, it goes right up into the nasal cavity. Um, and it's all scarred over. So it's old. It's that, that injury is old from fighting with other bears is the only thing that we can think of. And then he's got a scar on his face too. And, uh, so yeah, he was a fighter and just lean. I mean, bears naturally have a lot of fat on him, but, um, he's just long, long and thin. Um, when we stretched him out, I mean, he looked like he was six and a half feet. I don't know. I'm not really good at judging bears and I'm not, a, I'm not up there all the time. So, but, um, just an odd looking bear in a beautiful way. You know what I mean? Like, um, if you, you could easily throw another two, 300 pounds on this bear's body, you know what I mean? But it was just lean and it was a boar. So I'm sure maybe, you know, once we get it aged or whatever, maybe it was just in peak peak condition you know he was doing his job you know he was he was a breeding bear and a mean fighter you know so me i transit you know it's like uh, if you're talking about white tails you know it might not have been you know a 200 inch deer type of thing but you know some of those those deer in the one 140s 150s whatever they're they're just fighters you know what i mean and doing nature's job of making sure that their genetics get spread on and that's what it just felt like being around this bear and its head was huge you know i looked at the bear in my mind i could revisit the memory of my bear that and it was a 225 pound bear. It's only a hundred pounds difference, but it's just totally different. The head was like twice the size of, of wow. this bear. It's just, so, yeah, just, and then putting your hands up against its paws, its paws. I'm not a big man, but, um, 
its paws were way bigger than my hands and its claws and um, just realizing the raw power of these animals and respecting it. It was awesome. Man, that's awesome. That is awesome. So what's, what is he going to do with it? Is he going to Euro mount the head? Is he going to full mount? What, what's going on with it now? Yeah. Um, he is going to have a bear rug made. Um, and then I'm going to mount his skull for him. I, I do a uh, skull mounts, um, kind of for fun. Um, so, and uh, I'm going to do his, his skull mount. Um, and then, um, he had the bear skinned out up there. Um, and we took care of the hide and he brought it back down here, down south to his hometown. He's going to have the local taxidermist duty. He wanted to give his, his local taxidermist some business. He said, cause a lot of people were saying, you know, you can do this place up here, that place. And, um, we took the meat into a processor up there, but he wanted to have the local guy in town do, do his, his bear rug. So it's pretty exciting. Um, we're going to have a, have one heck of a, uh, an item, if you will. And it's just a, you know, but something to really remember that, that hunt by you know, the head will be, you know, attached to that rug. And he was in the woods even, um, after he killed, killed the bear. Um, and very sentimental. He said that he, you know, he got this bear and, um, he's gonna use it and, you know, we're gonna enjoy eating the meat, but he's going to have a bear rug made and give it to his granddaughter, Madison. Um, when she's a little older and then he pulled out a knife and it kind of made me smile. I made him a knife for father's day two years ago out of a deer antler shed. And he said, I'm going to gut this bear with this knife that my son made me and I'm going to give that to her too. Yeah. It's kind of cool to watch this, you know, grizzled old infantry Marine turn all sentimental in a moment's, you know, a moment's notice. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So we'll have lots, lots of good things to remember the hunt by. Man, that is, that is awesome. And you do a great job with, uh, with your Euro mounts, man. I, you, you did my uh, my buck from last year, so uh, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, so far, yeah. I, I enjoy doing it. You know what I mean, especially for family and friends. Just, just like uh, something to keep me busy, and then yeah, it's just fun. But so he and the good thing is, yeah, he he won't be able to complain even if it's not perfect. His son did it, so he can just shut his mouth and enjoy it. It was free. <laughs> no, I'll do fine. Oh, that's good stuff, man. All right, Ryan, thanks for sharing the story, man. Um, what are your what are your plans for the fall now? I mean, we're kind of getting into that that time of the year where it's just um, pretty, you know, pretty prime weather. I mean, nice cold front rolling through now. And are you going to be getting out in the deer woods pretty quick? Or you you know, I guess the pheasant opener is still a couple weeks away. So, what do you got planned? Um, yeah, I'd like to get in a tree stand. Wait for you to come up so we can go bow hunting together, Josh. Yeah, man. Um, we never got. To- we never got to do it last year. Um, good thing is, is I remember your spots really well, dude. I hey hey, I, I've got to say this: you're you're welcome to the spots, but but man, I put you on one. You did, you did, and I, that's another thing that was wild. Yeah, Josh gave me some gave me an idea last year. I didn't get out busy life and went out muzzle loading, and within an hour of of uh, sitting down, I had a shot at a buck. I did. I didn't kill a buck, but I killed a, a tree. <laughs> um, got, got all the fun without all the hard work, I guess. No, I couldn't believe that, Josh. Last year, you told me where to go, and sun rose, and there he was, dude. That that, yeah. There's that's a honey I'm hole, man. Yeah, I'm still embarrassed about that one, but uh, you learn something every time, you know. And I tell myself many all the time, be careful, you know, like watch for those little twigs. I was certain I was clear. No, I wasn't clear. No. So. No, I think we'll just be, we'll be out in the woods this weekend doing something, um, hiking or whatever, maybe some small game hunting, you know, getting the kids out there. That's one thing I've learned since my kids were little is just making it easy and just simple. You know, you don't need to go out there and 
give them this extravagant, you know, great experience on a monster buck, um, taking your kids squirrel hunting and uh, shoot a squirrel, uh, take it home, butcher it, eat it, whatever else, just instill those values. And then they, they grow up my daughter's 13 and that's all she, you know, all she wants to do with her dad on the weekends is get out in the woods and chase something in nature and, um, and take it home and use it respectfully, responsibly. And, um, so I think we'll be doing a lot of that until, uh, the rut, just a lot of small game hunting squirrels and pheasants, probably, um, making, making memories. Man, that's good stuff. I, I, um, so you see, I've got on right now this, this hoodie. So I've got the, uh, Huntworth is one of the, one of the partners of the show. I wear their Shelton hoodie pretty much every single day. Like I get up in the morning, get dressed, throw the Shelton hoodie on just cause it's nice and comfortable and light and keeps me warm if I'm cold and keeps me cool if it's hot. So it, it's just really nice. But I went in and woke up my son this morning with the hoodie on and speaking about making memories, I went up, woke him up and said, uh, Hey buddy, it's, it's, it's time to get up. And he looked up and his eyes got huge and he said, dad, are we going hunting? I was like, oh no, buddy, oh. sorry. I'm just I am just wearing the hoodie. Like, sorry. He was so pumped and uh it was hard to disappoint him. But but just to just to speak to the fact that that, you know, man, kids, it doesn't have to be something extravagant. It's gotta be like simple time outside chasing critters around with their dad is just it's irreplaceable. And that will infuse in them a love for the outdoors and a passion for hunting, fishing, all of that good stuff. Um without the need to get them on a 140 inch buck when they're nine you know what i'm saying like it, it's it for them it really is all about the memories and uh, a nice squirrel hunt or a pheasant hunt or shed hunting or something simple like that can do a great job of of getting them hooked you know i think i think a lot of times we feel the pressure especially in the whitetail world of like all right i gotta get my kid their first deer and it's got to be something big and um and kids don't need that they need time with you outside and uh that's, it. that's what gets them that's it. Yep. Man, good stuff. Well, Ryan, man, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm going to let you get to work. Uh, thanks for making some time for me this morning before you head in. And, uh, hey, good luck to you this fall. We'll uh, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, thank you. No, it was an honor. Thanks for having me on, Josh. Anytime, buddy. That is all for this week's show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, Deer Lab. Thanks to Ryan for coming on and sharing this awesome story of this bear hunt. Uh, Man, fired up, looking forward to getting out into the timber this weekend. I hope you are too, but whatever it is that you're doing, just make sure you're doing something to get outside and enjoy the natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.